Amen. You know, uh, at Polbarak, we, of course, we refer to ourselves as a family. Uh, we do that because that's what God calls us. He says we're brothers and sisters in Christ. He's our Father. Um, that means that we worship together, we learn together, we rejoice together, and we even grieve together. Um, this last week, one of our longtime members of this family at Pulverock, George Pollard, went to be with the Lord. Um, and so I wanted us to just take a moment and pray for uh, Mary, his wife, and their adult sons. Um, there's going to be a memorial service this afternoon at four here. Um, but would you join me in praying for this precious family? Lord, we are so thankful for George's life, for his heart, for who he is, for how he reminds us of you and points us to you. Lord, we grieve his loss with hope, but still we grieve. We pray for Mary, pray for his sons, uh, just that this moment would be a moment where you are very present. We know you're always with us, but God, I pray that not a moment would pass where they do not sense your presence in their life, your comforting arms around them, the peace that you bring, your love for them. We give them to you. We ask that you watch over them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, remember them in your prayers this week. What we're going to do today is we're going to launch a new series, a new sermon series we're going to be in for the next seven weeks. We are calling the series The Easy Yoke. I'm going to explain what that means and uh, what we're going to do with that in a second. But first, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, let me start with a question. If Jesus wants you to grow spiritually and you want to grow spiritually, then why is spiritual growth so difficult? Have you ever thought about that? Like first, first part of the question, we need to acknowledge this. Like Jesus does want you to grow spiritually. He does not just call us to like an intellectual sort of faith, but he calls us to like this living and active faith that changes us where we follow him. We, we believe not just with our minds, but we believe with our feet and we become like him and we really become that version of ourselves that we were ultimately always created to be. The second part of that question is, I believe that you really want to grow spiritually. That may sound weird to hear in a church setting because I know there's a lot of people like me, preachers, leaders in the Christian church who like treat people as if you're all just lazy, indulgent slackers who need to be shamed and scared into following Jesus. Um, I always say we shouldn't listen to preachers like that. We shouldn't listen to spiritual leaders like that. Don't listen to spiritual leaders who leverage fear and shame to try to get you to do something. And I don't say that because it, they're, like they're being mean, which they are. I say that because it's not true. I've met people. I've met you people. You're not lazy, indulgent slackers who need to be scared and shamed into following Jesus. That's just not who you are. I know that you really do want to follow Jesus. And I know, like, we, like listen, we all have mixed motives. I'm not talking about we're totally pure. We all have hurts and bitterness that get us off track. We all have sins that, like, we really like. Like, that's true of all of us. We all have a lot of issues, right? But even so, I know that in your heart of hearts... 
You long to have the new life that Jesus talked about. That's what you're after. That's why when we preach here at Pulverock, we always try to start with the assumption that the, the people that we're talking to, they want to follow Jesus as much as we do. So the question remains, if Jesus wants you to follow him and grow, and you want to follow Jesus and grow, then why is it so hard? Have you ever pondered that? If you have, I bet you might have jumped to a few conclusions that may make sense at first, but ultimately I think are faulty. Like you may have jumped to this conclusion, I know I have. Maybe there's just something wrong with me. Like maybe I don't get it. Like maybe I'm just like the worst Christian on the planet. And that's possible, but I don't think it's true. Maybe at some point you've concluded this. Well, maybe there's something wrong with God. Maybe he's not holding up his end of the bargain. Maybe he's holding out on me in some way. Uh, Maybe getting angry at God. Like that is a part of the spiritual journey. We know that. Have you ever shaken your fist at God and said, why aren't you helping me more? I, I have. I mean, I've had seasons in my spiritual life where I've been so frustrated and discouraged. I just want to throw in the towel. That is not some weird anomaly that only happens to bad Christians. It happens to every Christian who's honest. It happened to everyone in the New Testament at some point. In fact, I would say this, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time and you've never experienced any frustration about spiritual growth, then you may want to at this point consider that you're a spiritual narcissist, right? You're just so caught up in your own arrogance. Or possibly, it also could be uh, that you are like a spiritual giant so far beyond all the apostles who followed Jesus. And if you think maybe it's that, then it's for sure the spiritual narcissism thing. The point is this, the process of spiritual growth, I don't have to tell you, it is difficult. It is frustrating and hard at times. I am sure that you have felt that. That is what we're going to tackle this summer in this series we are calling The Easy Yoke. Uh, What I want to do today is take you to a foundational spiritual growth passage, like, like a central passage to the process of what we understand about spiritual growth. It's a moment where Jesus is going to explain this process to us, but he's going to give us some clues as to why spiritual growth is so hard for us, and he's going to offer us something better. He's going to talk about spiritual growth, though, in ways that run counter to what we might naturally assume are true. And he's going to help us see that that's part of why it's hard for us. Part of the reason it's such a struggle is because we do not think about our spiritual growth the way that God thinks about our spiritual growth. And if we can do that and shift and align ourselves a little bit more with his perspective on spiritual growth, we might find it feels a little bit different. So turn in your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 11. Let's look at this. I'm going to start in verse 25. I'm reading out of the NIV, Matthew 11. Here's what Matthew writes. At that time, now stop right there. 
Uh, whenever you come across something like this in Scripture, these are not just clever transitionary statements, uh, but they're meaningful. At that time, at what time is the relevant question? Matthew 11 is about halfway through the book of Matthew, and it really is a chapter that is a turning point in Matthew's gospel. Jesus has been teaching and ministering and healing people and doing all sorts of great stuff, but really it has been focused on announcing the kingdom of heaven, which is what Matthew calls the kingdom of God. Those two things are synonymous, right? Um, and a lot of people were really excited about this kingdom of heaven stuff. They thought that was, this sounds really good. It's appealing. Finally, God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. But some people didn't care for it. They were frustrated. They had hard hearts. They didn't like who Jesus was friends with. They didn't like the fact that he was throwing the door open on the kingdom of heaven and bringing in people that they didn't really care for. They wanted to maintain their control. They wanted to maintain their authority. And so this shift at that time in Matthew 11 is Jesus starts to be a little bit more direct with those hard-hearted religious leaders, and he starts to talk a little bit more about the inevitability of the cross that was to come in his ministry. And so he's turning towards the cross, and in this moment, he says some of the most important things he could say about what spiritual growth is really about and about following him. Here's what he says. Verse 25, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Okay, so do you see the first thing that he says that's really going to push back on some of our natural assumptions about the spiritual growth process? It's in this verse, but this, this is what he is pointing out to us. I would say it this way. Spiritual growth is not about expertise. It is about humility. Do you see that in these verses here? Like he's contrasting the wise and the learned people with like little children. And so there are these people who have cultivated knowledge. They've cultivated, cultivated some expertise on a subject. And I think we can assume from the subject that the, or from the context that the subject they've cultivated expertise on is God. He's talking about like religious leaders who are experts in the area of theology, spirituality, all of that sort of stuff. And he says there is something about God that's really important that he hides from these people and reveals it to these little children who have no expertise, cultivated no knowledge. So here's, I think, the first observation that we have to make is that it's not about expertise, it's about humility, and that spiritual growth does not work like normal growth works. We have to see that. Like, if you want to be, uh, if you want to grow in the area of, like, music, like you want to become a great piano player like Hannah is, right? So what do you need to do? You need to find a teacher. You need to study a piano, read a book, or whatever piano players do. Um, like, you need some expertise. Uh, if you want to be, like, I have a lot of friends who are engineers. If you want to be a great engineer, uh, what do you do? What are you supposed to, I'm genuinely asking, what do engineers do? I, is it math? Is math a part of it? Is math a part of engineering? Okay, so thank you. You should study math, I think. Um, or like, uh, I have a brother who's a doctor, okay? So he wanted to be a doctor. What did he have to do? 
go to medical school, right? You have to spend years becoming wise and learned in the area of medicine. Like none of us would want a surgeon who failed every class in medical school, but just has a childlike love of helping others, right? <laughs> Honestly, I don't care if my surgeon is a jerk, as long as she is wise and learned at surgery. Like that's what you want out of a surgeon. Right? So this is what we understand about how growth works, like that it takes some energy, you've got you've to really devote yourself to it, you've got to study it. Uh, so of course, that's what we understand about growth. That's what we would naturally assume is also true about spiritual growth. And Jesus says, no, dummy. He doesn't say dummy, I'm sorry. Sometimes I add things. Uh, he just says, no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Learning about God, becoming an expert on the subject of God, does not necessarily help you grow spiritually. And in fact, I think what Jesus is pointing us to here is that there's a danger in this. Because spiritual growth is all about humility, when we learn a whole bunch about God in the Bible, sometimes we lose the most important thing to help us grow, which is humility. As a side note, but I'll say it, uh, one of the disturbing trends that I see like in our little tribe of evangelical churches of which we are a part, you know, um, I, I am concerned that sometimes we have mistaken expertise and theological knowledge for spiritual maturity. Those are not the same thing. They're not. Uh, that's why, like, in, in our evangelical tribe here, we have some spiritual leaders who are incredibly unloving, but because they know a lot, we give them a pass. And we think, oh, well, they, they know more than me. And I, I think a lot of ways what that reveals is sometimes in the evangelical church, uh, rightness and truth have become a spiritual idol for us, and we need to remember we worship a Savior who says, honestly, I would rather you be like a little child than like that expert in the law and in the Bible. Um, now, it's important to note, uh, Jesus is not being anti-intellectual here. He is not saying that the problem is knowing things or learning things. That's not what he's getting at. The problem is that when we as humans think we know something spiritually that other humans do not know spiritually, spiritual pride starts to creep in. And it is not a question of if it creeps in, like it only creeps in for some people who are really bad. No, it always creeps in. The only question, if we are studying scriptures and becoming educated in theology and all that sort of stuff, the only question is what are we doing? doing about our spiritual pride? It's the only question because it always, always creeps in. It is humility that Scripture celebrates, not expertise. But if we think spiritual growth is like normal growth, then we'll be tempted to think that our growth process is tied to our knowledge and to our insight. And Jesus says, hey, when you're in that place, God actually hides things from you about who he is. Humility drives that growth process. Now, he continues from there to say other things that might blow our mind. Look at verse 27. Jesus says, all things, all things, all of the things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. That is a bold claim, isn't it? 
Like, like that is a substantial claim. It, like it is this sort of stuff that got him into so much trouble and made some people say, we just should kill him. Like that's just too much. Because here's what he's saying. Jesus is claiming to be the only source of knowledge about God. The only, the exclusive source of knowledge. He's saying, I have exclusive knowledge of God. Uh, the sort of knowledge that only a son could have. And the fight that he starts to have in the book of Matthew with the religious leaders is basically this. They'd say, listen, Jesus, we've read the scriptures. We know what they say. We know what God means by this stuff. We've been studying it for years. And Jesus would say, no, you don't. You don't know what he means. Those scriptures were written to testify about me. I alone know God, so let me tell you what they mean. And it's probably no surprise to you that religious people don't like hearing that assumptions that they have made for hundreds of years might be wrong. But that's what God does to religious people. They thought he was crazy. And this is one of those passages that, like, if Jesus is not who he said he is, this is one of those passages that you have to conclude, like, it, he, he is crazy. Like, he gives you no way out. Like, he doesn't say, I'm one of the sons of God. He doesn't say, you know, I'm a really good spiritual guide and teacher. I, God has told me some things that I could tell you. No, he says, all things. God has entrusted me, his only son, with everything. And nobody knows God apart from me allowing them to know God. And if Jesus is not who he said he is, then he is the most insane narcissist who has ever lived to make a statement like that. But if he is who he said he is, if it's true, then this passage is totally reorienting and challenging about the spiritual growth process. Because what it tells us about spiritual growth that is so important is that spiritual growth is entirely about learning from Jesus. That is what it's about right? That may seem obvious, but I still think it's astounding. Spiritual growth is not an ideological pursuit where you have all the right opinions about the right issues. That's not spiritual growth. It's not a theological pursuit where you know a whole lot of stuff about the Bible and about God. That is not spiritual growth. It's not even a, a pursuit of the right sort of behavior where you do all the right things and you avoid all the wrong things. That's not spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is about pursuing a person, Jesus, the only person who is able to reveal God to us. And implicit in all of the stuff that he says is, I really want to. Like, that's, that's why I'm here, is to, is to teach you something about God. And I think if we knew how truly precious that was, we would avail ourselves of it a lot more. He goes on to say this. Uh, one more thing I want to touch on, and then I'll explain what these next few weeks holds for us. Look at verse 28. That's probably familiar to you. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's beautiful, right? So if you've been frustrated with the process of spiritual growth, if you've been discouraged, 
you felt like there's something wrong with you or God is holding out on you, if you're tired of trying and struggling and failing, if you're burdened with expectations others put on you, Jesus says, come to me. Jesus says, I have something for you. And he's qualifying for us the, the, the essence of the spiritual life. Uh, from the first moment we know him till the moment we die is learning from him is receiving what he has for you. He says, take my yoke upon you. In that uh, language, he's just referring to his approach to spirituality. It's learning to walk with him and embrace the kingdom of God that is coming to earth as it is in heaven. And he says this, it's easier than you think. And this burden is lighter than you could ever imagine. So let me ask you a question about this text. Um, if the point of the spiritual life is learning from Jesus, uh, if he has this thing for us that he wants to teach us, let me just ask, what kind of teacher is Jesus based on this text? Do you see it in there? Do you see how he describes himself, these two adjectives? He says that as a teacher, Jesus says he is gentle and humble in heart. I don't know what you'd expect from the God of the universe saying, I want to teach you something, but I, th those aren't the first adjectives that would pop into my mind. But Jesus says, this is the nature of how I am as a teacher. I am a gentle teacher and I'm humble in heart. Now, if that's true of Jesus, I think something that we need to just realize about the spiritual growth process, and this is part of what makes it hard, Jesus is probably not going to shout at you or interrupt you to teach you something. It's probably not how he works. He's gentle and he's humble of heart. He is probably not going to interrupt you and yell at you to get your attention just to teach you something. That's not the sort of teacher that he says he is. And in fact, I think this is true, and you might see this in your life. If you want to ignore him for a while, he will let you right? He loves you. I don't know that that means that he's going to fight for your attention, right? If we want to arrogantly tell him, hey, I know what's most important. I'm going to talk to you about everything that I think I know. I think he'll let us talk. Like that's the nature of a gentle and a humble in heart teacher. God gives us so much freedom. God never forces us to listen. And so if we really want to hear and learn from this gentle and humble of heart Jesus, I think what that means is we have to have the humility to slow down to hear from him. We have to have the humility to ask some questions if we want to hear his voice. We have to be willing to check some of our assumptions at the door and be suspicious of all the things that we're just sure of so that he can give us new ways of thinking, new ways of living. Do you see why most of us find the spiritual growth process so hard? Because that's what it's about. It's this slow, gentle, humble in heart teacher, and we're immersed in a world that worships the appearance of strength and rightness and expertise. It's not just our culture, like that's not just the problem, like it's also our hearts, right? I mean, there's something in our hearts that would rather pursue anything, no matter how hard it is, than have to pursue true humility, right? Give me anything else. I think that's why spiritual growth is hard for us. 
But Jesus says, hey, I, I just, I have something else for you. He has something that he freely offers when we tire of the self-centered drivenness of our own heart. I, I think that is the thing that I want, despite the hardness of it, despite the fact that it makes me pursue some things in a counterintuitive way. I think that's the thing that I want, and I trust that you do too. So here's what we're going to do this summer. We want to take these next seven weeks, and we are just going to ask this very simple question. What is Jesus teaching you? As you take his yoke upon you, what are you learning from him? You know, church is this context that can be incredibly helpful for us to amplify the voice of God, to see things that maybe he's hidden from us because we're arrogant at times, things that only he can reveal, things that the gentle and humble in heart teacher Jesus wants us to know. So we're going to do something that's kind of become our tradition over the summers. We're going to give all of us an opportunity to hear from some voices that we don't normally hear from. Uh, there's something that is very important to me personally um, that I, like I would love to invite you into so that I don't have to carry this alone, but this can be something that we carry together as a community. I have heard from our gentle and humble and heart teacher that it is very important uh, that we invite other voices in to speak to us. Um, I, I've seen it time and time again, spiritual communities become unhealthy always when they are dominated by one voice. And Jesus has confirmed this to me again and again. Uh, most recently, uh, just think back to the First John series, those last three sermons Susie preached just blew my mind. And like, we would not have heard the Holy Spirit through her voice if I was up here dominating the pulpit 50 weeks out of the year. Um, that vision, though, it doesn't just stop with our staff. I, would, I wish we could like give, we don't have time for this, but I wish everybody could share a little bit of what they know because we all have equal access to God. And I wish that we could bring in constantly outside voices who can stretch our thinking. And when we bring in outside voices, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring in people who don't think like we do so that God can teach us something that maybe we wouldn't see if we were just caught in our own way of thinking. And so I really value the idea of having multiple people standing at this pulpit and speaking, hey, here's what God is teaching me. And I say that knowing that that value of mine is difficult for some of you. Um, like, I get that. And some of you, you're so kind. You come up to me and you say, I wish you'd preach more. Why don't you preach? Are you you're taking the Sunday off again? Um, and I receive that as kindness. Like, I receive that as affirmation. Um, but here's what I want to invite you into. I believe God wants us to be a community that values multiple voices, and I want you to carry that with me. Uh, like, like, we get this, right? Church is not about finding the best preacher, and it's kind of become that in our very, like, you know, uh, marketing-driven society. It's like, well, who's the best person we can put up there? And come watch this guy. Like that, but that has never been what church is about, right? Church is about becoming who God desires us to be. It is about hearing from the gentle, humble in heart, Jesus, who desperately wants to speak to each of us. And it, it, what helps us hear his voice is hearing 
him speak through other people. And so uh, because we all have equal access to him, because it's not about expertise, and because the, the legitimacy of being able to say something to a, a faith community has nothing to do with how many books I've read or how many classes I've attended, but it has everything to do with that ability to slow down and hear from God. We want to make space for other people to do that too. And so these next few weeks, I'm going to take a few weeks off. I, I mean, I'll be here, but sitting, listening, uh, uh, to what Jesus is saying through other people. And I want to challenge you to do the same. And maybe the shift is this. Uh, as, as a faith community, let us stop asking the question, was it a good sermon? There are going to be good sermons. Don't worry about that. Let's stop asking that question. The question is, what is the gentle and humble of heart Jesus trying to teach me? How can I take on his easy yoke? That is the question that matters. And I will tell you, you can listen to a million good sermons. And if you never get to that question, you will not grow. And I have countless examples of people of whom that is true. They are steeped in good sermons. And they're as unloving as they've ever been. This is the question that drives spiritual growth. And so that's where we're going to park this summer. This summer, we get to hear from one of our elders, which I'm excited about, one of our missional partners, which I'm excited about. Some of our teens, our teens are going to share something with us. We have something to learn from them. Uh, some voices you haven't heard from in a while, even some outside voices. And it's all going to start next week when my wife, Becky Cleveland, is going to be up here and she is going to preach. I am super excited about this, um, and I am just a little bit scared. I'm thinking about all the times that I've used her as a sermon illustration, and I just want to take this moment to apologize and remind us all what God says about revenge. Um, no. Seriously, I, I was talking to her this week. I am so excited about what she's going to share because God's been teaching her a lot about rest, which is a huge part of this passage, and it's going to be a great way to start this sermon series. Um, let me close with this. Here's a homework assignment for you, for all of us. Here's a question that we're going to ask all of our preachers this summer. What is Jesus teaching you these days? I want you to do something with that question. Uh, only I don't want you to answer it. I want you to ask it. I want you to ask it of someone in your life. I want you to think of someone in your life who has access to Jesus just like you do. Don't think of the smartest person you know because I promise you they'll have an answer, but they might be so caught up in what they know that they might be overlooking some things that God wants to teach you. So just ask a normal person who's trying to follow Jesus, ask them, what is Jesus teaching you these days? We've, uh, we want to hear about this, so we set up a special page on our website that says join the conversation. If you go to the main page, you click the join the conversation button there. And then it's just comments, but you can post a comment. Please don't violate any confidences if someone tells you something, uh, you know, uh, that they've been struggling with. Don't put that online, okay? Uh, but if they share something with you about what Jesus is teaching them, we would love it if you would share with us so that we can all benefit from that. And what we're trying to do is to test this belief that God really speaks to everyone, that he still speaks and he speaks to everyone who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And what he says is worth listening to. So we'd love it if you'd participate in that with us. Here's what Jesus is telling us today about spiritual growth. He says, I am the only source of knowledge about God. 
Through the Holy Spirit, we have equal access to him. He wants to teach us, but we need to humble ourselves and make time to listen, to listen through others, to ask him directly. That is what he's calling us to. That's how spiritual growth works. And so humble of heart, Jesus, we come to you and we, we confess that humility is hard for us. We confess, God, that it is easy for us to move on, to get caught up in our own thinking. But what we long for is that thing that only you can give us. We long to know God. And so, God, this summer, would you just lead us to some things that you've been trying to say to us maybe for years and we just have, have not slowed down enough to listen? Would you just have the grace to break through our hearts, our hardness of heart, and speak to us. We trust that you still speak, Lord. Speak to us this summer. In your name I pray, amen.